This isn't a millennial thing. This isn't a 2019. It's not a sustainability thing. Listening to your customers is at the heart of running a business. Welcome to the new podcast series for the Global Wellness Summit, recorded live during our 2019 summit at the Grand Hyatt Singapore. I'm Kim Marshall. What does it mean to put purpose at the heart of business? It's a core topic of this year's summit, and none of our guests embody this spirit more than the irresistible Patricia Dwyer, founder of the Purpose Business based in Hong Kong. It turns out purpose is really good for the bottom line. After listening to Patricia, we dare you not to think beyond your company's mission and vision statements and find your why. Keep listening and learn why it's so important to answer the question, what is my why? But before we get to the interview, we're going to check back with Dr. Shaniqua Fleming at Caroline Miami. Not only are we going to look at your life, we're going to look at how do we really help you optimize and exponentially elevate the impact of the work you're doing. And the core of that is wellness. Later in the episode, Dr. Fleming will share how she helps people connect with who they are and even align with their why. Patricia, give us your name and title, please. I'm Pat Galliardo Dwyer, emphasis on the Galliardo to say I'm Filipina, <laughs> and I'm the founder and director of the Purpose Business. Okay, listen, uh, when I just read the title of your company, I was like, I want to talk to that woman. And I think I told you I was on the board of the Green Spa Network for mm-hmm. four years. We were a small but, you know, earnest group, but they've really tried to kick it. It looks like you've done it. So tell us what Aww. your business is. That's really sweet. Thank you for that, Kim. And it's good to be recognized, but there's so much work to do. Yeah. So I used to head sustainability for Shangri-La. That was for about seven years. Shangri-La Hotels. Hotels, yeah, globally. So we went, I think I joined them. It was 60-ish hotels. I left them. They were close to 100. And it's about the early days of responsible tourism and sustainable hospitality and all that before it was even a thing. What year do you think? So I was with them from 2008 till 2015. Um, And were you just a put your head down kind of girl or did you push? I made sure I had mandate resources and got my head down. I was a solo as well. So, you know, they did not expect anything from me at that time. It's a male dominated business. You got 65 GMs, male, pale and stale. Forgive me for saying that. (laughs) I've I've been there. (laughs) Yeah. But this is the business of of hospitality in its traditional sense, right? Traditional. you felt secure when there was a male GM in the lobby at 3 a.m. in the morning. Especially if they're from Switzerland or Germany. And there you go. Because they <laughs> only they know hospitality. But <laughs> I had the best alignment between a chairman who had a vision mm-hmm. and a CEO who had an ego, but also understood that other things were better held by other people. Mm-hmm. So he looked at me and he said, Pat... I know I know hospitality, but I don't know half of the things about environmental protection and carbon emissions and what the hell water risk and all that. You figure it out Ooh. and we'll make it work together. How and, did he know you were interested or were you? Oh, long story short, I Googled my way through a job. So I wrote <laughs> an email in the desktop of my former employer, one of the biggest conglomerates in the Philippines. And I said, I want, to make an impact in one of the sinnest, baddest industries. 
And hospitality was one of them. Mm-hmm. Because look at food waste, look at, you know, sprawling waterfalls, look at carpets you don't need. And, golf and all courses. That. Golf yeah. courses, exactly. But if I can make an impact there, imagine where business could go. Mm-hmm. Still be profitable, but do good things. And so I wrote to 10 contacts on CSR and sustainability, corporate social responsibility and sustainability. There were no titles of that sort. Oh, wow. Within six minutes, you know, I had to Google top 10 Resorts or top 10 hotels. I had no idea. You're kidding. And there you go. I had the CEO of Shangri-La at that time saying, you know, everything is fail, delivery, out of office. And then the CEO goes, good to meet you. We'll be in touch. Timely email. And I was wow. screaming my head off like, I'm leaving this company. I'm going there. And it was <laughs> hilarious because in Manila, the Shangri-La was right across where I was working from. And lo and behold, we started, I started work with them in about six, seven months after that. But my CEO said, the boss said to hire you. He was CEO then. And he said, why? I said, because you need to be a responsible business. I must have said something right. Man. So he then worked with me and we went from, you know, green supply chain, sustainable seafood, measuring impact on community development, not a dole out, but really measuring impact and output. I'm getting tears in my eyes because this is important stuff. I mean, even to the point of sitting in a hotel and going, why do I feel like I'm in a meat locker? It is so cold (laughs) here. There's no need for this. Who's paying for this? The earth. Right? But I don't fault the industry that taught me this. I always say Shangri-La was the MBA I never had. Mm-hmm. This was how hotels were built. You were told to upholster a certain way, to have velvet you know, bedspreads and all that. That was the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. But it is today, 2019. And it's a time warp to be going to some of these five-star hotels. That, who needs the carpet? The kids have asthma. Who yep. needs this and that? You know, all that, right? So... Fast forward seven years of putting my head down, getting real work done. I was told you're not going to talk about this because Asian humility, always a core value of Asian businesses. So just do your thing. And I said, well, okay, I need resources. If I can't hire people and I can't talk about it, get me training that I can then go to each and every hotel because Toronto is very different from Chongqing. And, you know, you could get, you you had to work with people and the power of rallying people around a problem that was so much bigger than them. And frankly, something they did not know how to approach. How do you approach food waste? How do you approach water risk in Indonesia? How do you think about coral reefs in the Maldives, but still be, you know, your, your turnover rates are so high in terms of staff and all that. And the point is, unless you save the coral reefs in the Maldives, there will be nothing to go see. And they yeah. won't have and a what's job. what's the point? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so there is no sustainable tourism if people don't even have a reason to be there for. Mm-hmm. So when I left in 2015, I thought this was becoming a thing. Sustainability was becoming a thing. And corporations, the taboo word in the Global Wellness Summit. But let's face it, corporations have a power to change social development, right? If they did the right thing. And so we saw a gap in the market. I lucked out. Going back to your first question, I lucked out because we wanted to come from a place of your why. When you know your why, you know why you exist. And we want to argue that when your purpose is clear as a company, Mm -hmm. you 
absolutely have to run a responsible business. There is no way you can say creating moments of joy and then not play, not pay your suppliers within seven months. So tell me the story of the shark fins. Oh, well, at Shangri-La, it was a question of, um, you know, sustainable seafood, coral reef protection on one side. And then you look at what's being served on the table. And this was risky, Kim. This was seriously make or break. I was ready to pack my bags and be kicked out because I was going against the very grain of the culture of the company. It's Cantonese cuisine. Which and, is full of shark fins. Well, yeah, it is, you know, the the most expensive item on the menu, but it is what the culture wants to wow. kind of have because it's, it is what you go there for. You're in Boston, you want cloud chowder. Si. You're in the yep. Philippines, yep. Yep. you want, you know, suckling pig. You're in Hong Kong or you're in China, you need to be serving sharks when it was just the right thing to do. So I couldn't just come and say to the chairman or the CEO, take it out. I had to come in with a full plan. What is seafood? How do we source? What are the most endangered species? Aww. You know, you have, you can't, we know this. In any organization, you don't just come with a problem. You come with a solution. You must, I, or get out. It, yeah. yeah, it took four <laughs> years to change that. And Aww. so, on the day it went out, the press release, it was literally, Pat, you're either going to get promoted or, or you're going to get fired. <laughs> And you do like the American movies where you've got a box and you're ready with your life because that sums up what it is that you've done all the years that you're so there. so much to me, Jerry Maguire. Yeah, 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 exactly. yeah exactly. Show me the money. Um, <laughs> but yeah, but there was money to be made because not a single soul complained with a ban. In fact, we got good kudos to say, you say you're committed to sustainability and now you're actually manifesting it. So Shangri-La banned shark fins. In 2011, 2012. And so did Peninsula, so did Cafe. So there was a whole movement of first movers. I hate to interrupt this wonderful conversation with Patricia, who I want to be my new best friend, but I really want to hear more about how Dr. Fleming is strategizing some of the inner work she does with her clients. There are a lot of fabulous life coaches out there, but at the core through and through, I'm a strategist. And so not only are we going to look at your life, we're going to look at how do we really help you optimize and exponentially elevate the impact of the work you're doing. And the core of that is wellness, because when you're well, you're thinking better. When you are connecting your mind, body and spirit to, you know, the work that you do, you're coming from a place that there is no competition. You're not competing with anyone because each of us have a unique um, zone of genius that we actually bring to our work. And the closer we are to who we are, the more we connect with that and the more innovative we will be in our approach to whatever it is we're doing. You can learn more about Dr. Shaniqua Fleming and how she works with the Carillon Miami by visiting carillonhotel.com. That's C-A-R-I-L-L-O-N hotel.com. Now let's get back to our conversation with the captivating Patricia Dwyer. So for people who don't get it, what is the correlation? How many sharks die a year? Oh, it's not about the sharks that die only. It's about the way we fish. It's about the, you know, the, in 2050, there will be, what, 50% more plastic, more plastic uh, in the sea than fish, right? Yeah, I can't take so it. So it's not about, just about the species itself. It's about how we source, how we live, how we consume, and how irresponsible it is. And the food chain. Exactly. Yeah. So you take a shark, you take its arm, and then you chop the rest of it. I can't even think. Exactly. So 
I'm going to fast track now to the purpose business mm. because when I left Shangri-La, I just thought, okay, I had a really good run. They, frankly, they didn't need me anymore by the time I left because they had programs things, in, were up. Yeah, yeah. things are in place. And as most sustainability heads would say, you make yourself redundant. This is the job that you don't want to hold for life because Yay. absolutely, you know, like embedded in the business. And so we thought if a company comes from a place of purpose, it has to be a responsible business. Now, how do we get companies there? How mm. do you go from your traditional business strategy to becoming a bit more responsible? And, and to spend money on it. Exactly. Yeah. And because this is not a charity. And I, I, my head of business development laughs off when she gets annoyed and then she laughs it off when people say, oh, so you're a nonprofit. And we're like, no, we're absolutely for profit, but doing the right thing. So we started in 2015 when I left Shangri-La and our purpose statement is to make Asian businesses be a force for good. Wow. Because it, without disrespect, it's always the first movers, Patagonia, Nestle, Marks and Spencer. Mm -hmm. you know, they are the poster child for sustainability. But I'm Asian and I believe that the challenges in Asia are so from the outside insurmountable that it's so unexpected to be running a sustainable business oh, in Asia. Wow. You get governments that struggle. You get poverty lines that, you know, 70% are kind of below it. But how do you run a sustainable business in property, in supply chain management, in hospitality? And so that was what we set out to do in 2015. It's been four and a half years. And, and still there. how many companies have you worked with in that time? Oh, wow. Um, we're very, very lucky to be working with some of the biggest listed companies, family conglomerates around mm. Asia. Um, I don't know if I'm supposed to name names because again, if you're allowed, really? it's fine. Yeah, it's fine. Okay. Well, it's all on the website anyway. So, you know, from a, from hospitality groups like Shangri-La, we used to, we continued to work with them, but we were engaged by one of the biggest Asian brands on hospitality to put together a single use plastic reduction and then elimination strategy. We work with property developers like Swire Properties. Um, we work with construction groups like Gammon. Yeah. Uh, we're very, very lucky to be working with known brands in wellness like Vitasoy okay. uh, or food kind of companies like Danone even with operations in Asia. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah. I think this every day it hits me because I, on that Greenspan Network, we would have these passionate conversations, the group of us that, you know, we did shave our arms and we didn't <laughs> always wear earth shoes. But I remember we're, I met the woman that founded the Plastic Pollution Coalition mm -hmm. and she lives somewhere in Northern California, of course. And she called me up on our first phone meeting and I said, she goes, no reusable plastics, just don't do it. I said, I just bought a, a large bag of Sand, plastic sandwich bags for my son's lunch at Costco. She said, well, they have a very generous return policy. <laughs> Take them back. Yeah. And then I go to Starbucks and I realize, and I'm sorry, I'm going to shout it out. Those plastic lids, lids. are a menace to society. Mm -hmm. And there's a place in America, I don't know who, but it, uh, if anyone knows Blue Bottle, mm. they literally have the balls, the courage, the chutzpah to use plastic, I mean, sorry, paper, paper. lids. What is so hard about that? I know straws are important, but that's one little thing. Yeah. I mean, let's be honest. Plastic is not the enemy. We love plastic for the very reason the whole world gravitates into plastic. It's mm. easy. It's convenient. It's cheap. It's resilient. It's there. Part of the reason is it's alive and it's sturdy. The problem with plastic is the way we use it and abuse it and the way we dispose of it. So mm. yes, plastic has to evolve. 
But let's, I like doing things that you can control rather than having a pipe dream. So okay. how do I, if I have to live with plastic, because let's face it, in Indonesia, in the Philippines, we're not as advanced to have compactors and granulators and all that, right? right, right. But that's why I'm wearing something that is upcycled because this is what could you do oh. to repurpose? So when you talk about the circular economy, it's understanding the type of plastic do you really need it? So if we were to work with a company on a strategy, which we did for a few hospitality brands in an airline, this is a conversation on do you really need that plastic lid to begin with? No. You needed the lid because Starbucks wanted the coffee to be to go. And we love, let's face it, let's we not need be hypocrites, it. We right? love it. Yeah. For years, we love the fact that you can strut your little coffee cup and look cool and be, you know... Sex in the city, paving. And the, it stops you from around. eating too much. You drink oh, well, the caffeine. That's, and, right. that's a byproduct then for some people, not for all. Um, but today, could you not do something like this? So this is a collapsible cup and I don't know if we can, you can take a photo of it. But yeah. I mean, there's many ways to do it. You can still strut your cup. But you take the whole thing. This is going to burst because my coffee is still in it. Strut you your go. cup, baby. You strut your cup. It's so cute. If you really want to do it. And ladies, oh, I it's love no more, you. It's not chunkier than your... Can you give me that for a gift, yeah, there Cody? There you please. go. Just There's tons of that lying around. But, you know, how is it that you consume? And what is it that you consume on a daily basis? That what is it so daft to ask you to bring a tiny little collapsible cup or a water bottle? Right. So Starbucks is going through a, a reflection process, as most businesses are, mm -hmm. because what you did before business is normal before is no longer. Yeah. So maybe it's not about that. Maybe it's having this now. Maybe it's having your to-go coffee at home. Maybe it's not about the Nespresso capsules. And this is what we do with businesses. You, we, think, you think. We force them to have the painful and scary conversation of why you do what you do. You know, take, take an airline. Your hmm. blankets are in a bag. Your pillows are straight on your son's cheek. Why the double standard? Right. So then, right? And you say, oh, but it's hygiene. Really? How hygienic is the blanket in a bag when my child's face is already on the pillow? It's so crazy. So why release the blanket? You know, seriously, do you need the bag? Actually, what we find out is that the industry is saying, no, actually, it's not about the bag. I just need a way to tell my passenger that the blanket is clean. Fresh, yeah. When you're in business class... Your headset has this little post-it type paper thing that wraps it. It's not in a bag. Mm. But the 380 seats in coach are all with plastic bags. So why is that? And we were given an answer. Well, that's kind of how we have been doing it. Yeah. When I was in the hotels, when people were turning around a ballroom from a wedding to a banquet, all the lights are on and all the AC is on. Every single waitress, busser from banquets and all that, we're all sniffling. Of Why course. Why do you not shut it down? It's crazy. Why do you not let the light through? These guys don't see the light of day. You're actually in a resort. Well, that's kind of how we've been doing yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So sustainability is confusing to a lot of people. But frankly, it's not about polar bears and melting ice. In Asia, it's not. In Asia, it's about challenging business models. And what, Pat, has been your most surprising thing? That what's the reaction from employees for you doing this? It is the single biggest rallying thing to do the right thing. I guess you know, that, yeah. it, and it's so satisfying because the minute you have a conversation, of, oh, you got to manage your waste, or you've got to put out a report and speak to your investors about it. Nobody wants to do it. Oh, it's extra work. Oh, I have no resources. Oh, sustainability is expensive because mm -hmm. you've got to invest in solar panels. Mm -hmm. 
come back to your why. If you're just suddenly, boom, tomorrow we're installing solar panels. Why? Because my competition across the street is doing so. Well, that's, well, that's heartless. Not your yeah. why. Yeah. But if your why is about wellness and giving back to the earth and all that, okay, don't write me a check. Show me that as part of me, because this is what they say, right? When you buy with your dollar, you're buying the life you want. So show me, Hyatt, that when I book with you, Life is somehow still indulgent because I am staying in a hotel. This yeah. is the business. I'm not asking you to shut your business no, down. No. But make me feel like I'm doing something conscientiously and I am deliberately choosing with my dollar to stay with you because I know you've got less plastic or I know you've got farm-to-table programs or because I know that everything in the spa is powered by solar panels. It makes me feel a bit better. And let's face it, customers... Make it easy for them and they will do it. Everybody wants to recycle. I genuinely yeah, think. There, there's, right? no, there's no downside of that. No one is going to say, I don't want to recycle. I want to litter. No one is going to say that. <laughs> Here, but help. make it easy Can for I me please to litter? So. No, they're not going to yeah. do that. Also, what do you tell hoteliers about the future? Like, for instance, the 50-plus crowd may be your key five-star target market, <laughs> but they're not always going to be. The next generation is coming up. What demands are you getting from millennials and Gen Z? Listen to me. Be purposeful for me. So big rooms and, again, carpets and all that, they don't want that because they're carrying their their bands to be able to hang their TRX and work out on their own, right? Because they're individualistic like that. Yeah, They want... Fast Wi-Fi, a really good bed to sleep in, really good shower, frankly, and USB cables next to the bed and a button that you press and then the lights go off and I don't have to throw my shirt over a lamp because I can't figure out how to turn the lights off. Practical, purposeful things that, frankly, do not waste the environment. Now, not everyone is a holiday in. You know, you're, I'm painting this like it's a three-star. Yeah. But people are about the sharing economy too. You know, if Instagram were a hotel, let's face it, it's Airbnb. So listen That's to so how funny. people are going to be more purposeful about what they do rather than standard operating procedures that are, you know, Bibles of documents that hotels in the past have been so beholden to and enslaved by. Well, Pat, I had one of the greatest hotel experiences. I've been in the industry for too long. I stayed in New York. I don't know why, even hotels. And when I checked in, it was a big wall of two water containers with really fresh, like mint cardamom. I don't even know what. And the first thing they did is hand you a, you know, your own water container so you could fill up. Then when you walked around the corner, there was like a stadium seating where people just work on their computer, mm -hmm. like a WeWork or something, a big screen. You go down the steps and there's a like a to-go cafe, like yep. a healthy 7-Eleven, if you can think of that, with kale salad and Greek yogurt, whatever. You get to your room. I'm going to get emotional. You walk in. There's an exercise ball and this are. thing, this pole that you can work out on. And the TV is open to 10-minute workouts. Guess what? I could not leave the room. I kept <laughs> saying, oh, one more. I'll just do one more. I'm missing well, Let me try this. <laughs> let me do that. Isn't that amazing? But they listen to their customer. And this isn't a millennial thing. This isn't a 2019. It's not a sustainability thing. Listening to your customer is at the heart of running a business. So, Pat, you are beautiful. You look about 20 to me. I guess you're not because there you are. But I'm so going to quote that. Tell me about all this. You went to, I don't know, the Harvard Kennedy School. You're on the World Economic Forum Council, blah, blah, blah. What have you learned from all these uh, positions and exposure? There is 
this question is always, what's your best advice and all that. So I'm going to answer it the same way. What have I learned? Ask. If you don't know, ask. And I think people are so afraid of asking because you might get the answer wrong or you might get a no. To me, if I get a no or a wrong answer, it just points me to the yes point me to the right who are you right? thank you for making the you first day me. so cool this is my podcast edition ah, no <laughs> you know what this gives everybody hope and i think hope is the least we can do to share especially Fantastic. at the global wellness summit so pat thanks for being a highlight of hope and keep kicking keep asking we'll thanks. be cheering you on thanks kim and i hope this gave a little bit of a wellness why and people walk away being more purposeful salamat <laughs> salamat Thanks for tuning in to this first series of podcasts from the Global Wellness Summit. Please head to globalwellnesssummit.com to learn more and click on the Global Wellness Trends tab to see complete trend reports from the past few years. I'm Kim Marshall from Swell Public Relations, and thanks for listening.